0: Hi, and welcome to Drawing Inspiration. I am your host, Mike Henley. Episode 56, Birds, Bunnies, and Cars. Oh my, it's time for a creative check-in. Hi everyone, hope you're doing well. So I thought I would do an episode where I kind of reflect on the year so far. I like to do these every so often after a few interviews. I'll be back to interviews for the next episode, but I thought it'd be a good opportunity to kind of reflect on some of the stuff that I've been doing, some of the conversations I've had with others as well, and uh, with the hope that this can have an impact on your creativity and your work right now. So it's not going to be a terribly long episode, but I'm going to do kind of the typical updates and then go into a bit more detail about some of the stuff I've been working on with regard to watercolor and a couple of conversations I've had with other artists as well. So maybe the first thing I'll touch on is some of the art I've been doing. You know, I've wanted to really love watercolor and I've struggled for so long in trying to understand how watercolor works. I've had probably maybe four or five starts at this trying to get (laughs) comfortable with watercolor. And, you know, coming from pencil, whether it's graphite or some recent colored pencil, I can really control what's happening there. I am very specific about where I can add graphite and where I don't, and I can be very specific about my shading. With watercolor, I have to give some of that away. I have to give it away to the paint and to the paper and to that interaction. And as soon as I touch the paper, just hoping (laughs) that that paint isn't going to go everywhere, I don't want it to go, and understanding that I have to let some areas dry first and that I have to put the light colors down first, and I have to preserve areas. All of this has been a challenge, and I've spoken to uh, artists who work with oil paint, and some of them are like, I am not touching watercolor. That is just, I cannot. I cannot work with watercolor. And I can understand that. I still really want to try painting with oil, but I'm gonna save that for another point in time when i have an opportunity to you know buy the materials devote the time devote the space to it but i'm just not in that place right now i've got everything i need for watercolor i just need the attitude and the time and the practice and so i've been doing that recently and i started with doing a duckling which i had done originally in graphite this is a duckling that we rescued in our pond and we were able to uh, connect it back with some parents, and it was off and uh, happy living forever after <laughs> in the woods. Uh, it may have been one of the ducks that came back this year to nest, but uh, I decided I'd try it in watercolor. And I was really happy with that. I really was you know, trying to be intentional and putting down the light colors first. So I started with um, a yellow ochre and brought in some burnt umber and just started getting darker and darker and layering it. It was a really fun challenge trying to get that, that kind of downy feathery look to the duckling. And I think I achieved that, but it was, um, it was tough. I mean, I love textures and it's really hard I find with watercolor to kind of replicate that. So that duckling was um, was fun. It was a good experience, once again, playing with that down and trying to get that kind of fuzzy look. This uh, duckling was sitting on a rock, so I was able to bring in a bit of that background. So that was kind of an interesting experiment. The next one I tried was a, a rabbit. So both this rabbit and the next one, I had used reference photos from a photographer, Dave O'Neill, who's located in Canada, Ontario. And I'll provide a link to his Instagram he does some kind of wonderful work and he's just, he's posting stuff every day. So anyways, I saw this bunny. I thought I got to try a bunny. And so I did that and I really like this one. I think this really worked out well. I was able to kind of differentiate the colors in the fur. I was able to kind of show the patchy bits and preserve the tail once again by not painting there, uh, throw in a shadow, nice highlight on the eye, uh, some of the pink in the ear. I really felt like I was kind of channeling my Beatrix Potter. I do have an idea for a couple of books in future, so I thought about that as I was doing this and wondering how uh, how I would render a rabbit. And uh, now I want to do more, so I was really happy with that one, uh, much more happy than the second one, which was the egret, uh, great egret that I did. I thought I did a decent job of the bird itself, but I just was working the background too hard and not i felt like it maybe needed to be a bit more subtle and so i'm not really happy with that how that turned out but once again it's looking at what i could do better and what i'm really happy with and i could do better in the background and i was happy with segments of that uh, of that bird so the other one i did was a blue jay and that was I, i really wanted to play with blues and get a bit more detailed you know, I think I need to go loose as well on some of these, but that'll be future pieces. But with the Blue Jay, it was fun to play with the blues and uh, to be able to kind of give it a bit of a different perspective, give it some character because Blue Jays are really, um, they have so much personality. I really wanted to come that to come through the bird, and I think I did a decent job in doing that. And then the next one I did was a um, an old uh, DeSoto car, I don't know what year this DeSoto is, but uh, and the only reason I know it's DeSoto is because it says it on the front. I'm not uh, familiar with some of these cars. But the reason I wanted to do this car is because coming up in the next week or two, I'm going to be visiting a place called the Boneyard, which I think I may have talked about in a previous episode, but it is a basically um, a location that used to be kind of a, um, a junkyard for vehicles. And I don't think it's as much junk anymore as it is just cars that have a little bit of space around them. They've got uh, trees and shrubs and everything growing near them. And a lot of photographers go there with models and get them onto the cars and take pictures and all that. So I'm going to go there and actually paint. I'm going to take some photos, maybe do a few afterwards, but I'm actually going to paint some on location. So it's about 45 minutes to an hour from where I'm located so I'm going to go there and spend the day just sitting in a field uh painting and taking pictures of some of these cars and you know, there's one that's supposedly um, uh, haunted. Maybe is the right word, but you're not supposed to touch the vehicle because bad things happen. So maybe haunted's the wrong word, but uh, there's some fat, bad kind of vibes with one of them. So maybe there's a few vehicles like that. I don't know, but I'm definitely going to be uh, focusing on that one as well as a few others. So you'll see more cars posted. So the reason I did this DeSoto, which I think is one of the vehicles there at the boneyard, is I wanted to kind of practice with drawing a car because I've only done, I think one or two and I have had somebody ask me to draw theirs. And I just want to get a sense of that kind of working with perspective. How do I deal with the windows? How do I uh, bring in the colors of the the tires? Do I stick with a black or is it more fun to go with like a purple, deep purple, an ultramarine, maybe mixed with a Payne's gray, once again, all in watercolor. So that's been kind of a, a fun experiment and, um, you know, as always, I post all this on Instagram and I encourage your feedback and your comments and your questions. I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to do some Instagram lives as well. I'm um, going to be doing more of those in the future. So, um, you know, I'm always encouraged by everyone's feedback and being able to experiment openly here is, is I think one of the big advantages of Instagram. I'll never have a finished curated feed in Instagram for me. I learn more by seeing the steps that people take. And so I'm trying to show that. So some of those are some of the watercolors I've done. I did some sketching. I did some graphite sketching. I'll post a link to that um, that I did. I was uh, just killing some time at a park. And I was, uh, it's so funny because I was trying to sketch these seagulls and ducks that were sitting on rocks. And I just, I got so distracted by the kind of the texture of the rocks and the shadows that I really didn't spend much time on the birds <laughs> and I think that's okay I think you know when you go in and focus on something you want to draw a tree and for example and I've done this and you get so caught up in the texture of the bark that you don't really address the leaves or the grass or the other objects that, that you were going to draw that um, you know it's okay to take away kind of that positive experience those little successes that you had in kind of putting that image together and uh, for me it was just drawing those rocks so i'll include a link to not only that i'll include a link to the rocks but also include a link to the other watercolor pieces i did as well so one of the things i don't usually talk about is kind of all the materials i'm using so i'm going to go through that a little bit in uh, what i've been doing for kind of the recent pieces so all the paints i've used are the uh, daniel smith uh, watercolor paints I have some gouache that I use as well, Uh, some white gouache. I really haven't used it much in the pieces I've done. I think I used it maybe in the Reflection in One Eye, but any white gouache will do. So all my paints are Daniel Smith. The brushes I've been using are actually just water brushes. I mean, you can buy these at Michael's or Amazon, and these are brushes, and I talk about it in my latest newsletter. These are brushes that have like a nylon tip and they can come in you know three four or five different kind of widths and sizes and things like that and then the handle of the brush is filled with water so you simply unscrew it fill it with water put it back together and you don't have to bring a water container with you you'll still need to bring like a rag um, what I tend to do now is I take um, like one of those um, wrap it around your neck or your head or whatever this or whatever it is to keep cool so i take one of those and i I double wrap it around my wrist so now i've got this material around my wrist that i can just clean my brush on and then i just simply wash it every few times and it works really well uh, because if i'm you know going to be doing watercolor on on a paddleboard which will be happening in the next few weeks i need to keep everything fairly simple so by having this rag wrapped around my wrist and a water brush and then a small little palette in my book. I'm, I'm good to go. That's it. So, yeah, so I've been using these water brushes. I am going to be trying out some new brushes I just received uh, from Italy. These are travel brushes, so they fold together. But I'm going to be doing that as an Instagram Live and I'm going to save it. So probably within two or three days of this podcast, you're going to see that uh, video. You could watch it live and ask questions, but you'll see that video on uh, on Instagram. So the other thing I want to talk about too is is when I'm doing these watercolor pieces, I always sketch them out first. So in some cases, I will go uh, with watercolor pencils. So I like using the Faber Castell water pe- watercolor pencils, and I have like three or four different colors. I have a blue, I have a beige, like a like a like a light ochre, and uh, a red, and a I think I said blue, but I I only have like four or five colors, and that's it. And I sketch with those colors as I would a normal pencil with the intent that when I paint, those colors are gonna come into uh, the image itself. And that's what I use to sketch. If I'm just doing watercolor, I'm not doing any kind of line work, that's what I'm using. If I'm doing line work, I will most likely draw in graphite because I'm gonna overlay the graphite with ink. So I'm gonna use my fountain pen with a food aid nib, most likely. And if I'm doing an ink wash uh, approach, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put graphite, I'm going to put ink down, and then I'm going to do a watercolor wash over top of that. The ink I use is a platinum carbon ink, which is waterproof. And that's how I kind of pull it all together. The pieces I just spoke about, none of those were ink wash, so they were all just done with a watercolor pencil, a sketch, and then the Daniel Smith paints. So I use a small little metal case that have half pans, and what I do is I squirt out that uh, Daniel Smith paint into these pans. I let them dry and that becomes my kit. So I'm not actually buying uh, the pans filled. I'm filling them myself with the paints. And I, uh, I've been really happy with that result. And I do have a little spot on my pan where I keep uh, the white gouache as well. So uh, that's been working really well for me. That's not to say that you have to do it that way. A lot of artists will take the tubes of paint with them, but I prefer kind of having them in the kit because especially if I'm trying to be quick in a park or doing it on a paddleboard, I don't want to be mucking about with the chance of dropping something. So this is a really quick way to for me to get into to creating some art. So one of the biggest kind of coolest things I've found And i'll provide a link to this because so many people have asked about it is i found a pencil case that just holds all my stuff and it's been so hard finding a pencil case that does all of this and this one i found on amazon it's got two zippers so when you unzip this case it's like magic (laughs) I, i don't know how many pens and pencils i have in here i'm gonna guess like 40. but i have all of my graphite mechanical pencils so i have like six or eight of those I've got my tortillons, my blender um, sticks. I've got my water brushes. I've got my ink. So I've got fountain pens. I've got my my micron pens. I've got a few tubes of gouache. I've got a pencil sharpener. I've got it all in this kit. And it means that I don't have to be putting something together. I always hated that when I wanted to go out and do this plein air or this urban sketch kind of work that I'd have to kind of assemble my kit. Now I have this one pencil case that holds it all. I don't even have to think about it. The only thing I have to consider is which book do I bring? How large a sketchbook am I using? But everything is in there. So even if I decided to to, to use a, a different brush that's not a water brush, I can still default to the water brushes because they're in there and they're filled and they don't leak. I've been using the Pentel ones, which I will link to they don't link. I've heard people running into issues with other brushes, other types of water brushes where they do link, but I've had no issues with these Pentel brushes. So I personally would recommend them. They're not expensive. I think it's like, I don't know, 15, 20 bucks, maybe, maybe a little bit more, uh, for the four, uh, which come in like four different sizes and, uh, they just last forever. You just got to you know, squirt the water when you're switching paints and give it a nice wipe and you're you're off to the races. So I really uh, am enjoying that. And the pencil case, as I say, has been just brilliant. So as a matter of sketchbooks, up until now, I've been using the Moleskine art book, I think it's called, but it's, so it's a, like an A5, I guess. So it's a fairly heavy cold press paper and it's been great. Uh, it's a hardcover book. I love using it. It really holds the paint. So when you look at uh, all the pieces I've mentioned, except the car, they were all done in that moleskin book. However, I ordered some sketchbooks from Etcher. So that's E T C H R. Now these none of these people are sponsors. I'm just try. I love trying stuff. I, I love. Uh, you know my hobby in in kind of art supplies is almost as strong as my art <laughs> in the sense that I spend quite a bit of time in both, but I really wanted to try these etcher sketchbooks, so I ordered some, so they have a variety of them. I got the ones that I don't remember the model, but they have the white covers so it's kind of a white cotton kind of linen covers uh, on these on these sketchbooks and they feel just brilliant. They come in three sizes a four to a six a six being the really tiny one and they, um, you can actually paint on the covers. So my thinking is I'm going to leave them white. And then when I fill them, then I may paint on the covers because I assume these are going to pick up some dirt and dust and things like that. So I think painting at the end may be a fun experience. So we'll see. I I don't know what I'm going to do with that. But anyways, what I really wanted was I wanted a hardcover sketchbook that had hot press paper. So I wanted hot press paper because I wanted to use colored pencil and graphite. And so I do have some good books that um, take graphite really well. I use a moleskin for that. But I wanted something with thicker paper, like hot press, so it's it's got fairly smooth. But I wanted something hot press because I want to use something called Zest-It, which is a, a blender liquid that you use with colored pencil. And not wax-based, but oil-based pencils. And so I thought, I'm going to take some of this Zest-It, I'm going to put it inside one of these... Uh, water brushes, and that could be my blending tool. So I haven't done that yet, I'm going to, but I really wanted that kind of experience. So I needed a hot press paper in a hardcover. The only one I could find that I would seem to be, I mean, they're hard to find, but the only one I could seem to find was this Etcher one. So here's me (laughs) buying three sizes of the cold press and three sizes of the hot press. So six books total. And I've been trying, I tried the cold press, and the paper is just, oh my gosh, it's so good. It, it's not, it's got a different kind of texture. It's still toothy, takes the water really well. But it's a different kind of texture than the moleskin or than an Arches cold press paper. And I'm really liking it. Uh, I'm going to, I think, be doing a lot more in... All three sizes. I started with the small. I think when I go out um, and visit the cars, I'm probably going to be going with the medium or the larger, uh, which is an A4. And they're all in that kind of um, you know the, that uh, landscape format. And I'm and they fold flat. Like once you get past the first page, they fold flat, which is brilliant. And they just feel premium. And it took. Like I ordered them. I think you can get them at like, you know, Dick Blick and various other places. I ordered, them, I ordered them directly from Etcher. And you don't have to get the mix of sizes. If you're sold on A4 and that's your size, you can get three of them. But you can't, I, I don't think you can buy them individually. You have to buy them as a set of three. But I noticed when I looked at some of the art stores, especially in Canada, online, you can buy them individually. So all that to say, I'm really liking these sketchbooks. I'm going to be spending some more time in both the cold press over the next week, um, as well as the hot press, and trying some of that colored pencil work with the uh, the zested uh, blending liquid. So I'm going to do some of that live, and so you can see what these books look like and and see um, whether it it works for what you're trying to achieve. I'm still going to be using the Arches cold press because if I'm selling original work, I'm not going to be cutting up pages of the book. So uh, th- these sketchbooks are really for practice for me. I'm, ne- I'm not going to be selling the originals. I will sell prints possibly. So um, yeah, I you know I'm impressed so far, and I've tried a lot of sketchbooks, and these impress me. They're not they're not cheap. Uh, the paper isn't 300 G- GSM. I think it's like 230 or 220 or something like that. But they just oh good paper. <laughs> makes such a huge difference whether it's graphite colored pencil or watercolor so uh, keep an eye out for those i will provide a link to etcher in the show notes so you can investigate them yourself i know other people have done reviews on youtube so um yeah i'm i'm happy so far i think uh, these look really cool and they've got a wonderful little llama as their logo so you know you gotta love llamas so I just wanted to highlight a, a friend of mine's, a, an artist, um, in my city, and I noticed that she had posted a link to some uh, t- to a an art show that her students had done. So she teaches grade ten, and uh, these artists, these students, have put together this beautiful website of all the work they've done. And I took a look at it, and I was just blown away, and I was thinking. I asked her, I said, Can I post this? Can I please include this in the podcast? And she said, Sure. Um, so I did include it. I would encourage you to check this out because, you know, it, it will inspire you to, to just flip through this and see this work that these grade 10 students are creating. It's just, it blows my mind. Such good work. Um, these are going to be, uh, these artists are going to make some real. Uh, wonderful pieces and I hope they continue on with this whether it's primary or secondary as a matter of their education but it is just brilliant and uh, Shelly who's this friend of mine um, she was saying you know that there's been so much talk about these students that you know many of them aren't uh, attending classes this is overall you know with virtual learning but she had like 90 to 100% attendance and they worked so hard at this and you can see that in the work like this is just so cool So if you're feeling a little bit kind of uninspired, not feeling very motivated, questioning yourself, just take a look at the work these grade 10 students have created. I'll provide a link to their gallery in the show notes. And uh, just, wow, Um, awesome, awesome mix of styles and um, just wonderful pieces. So I encourage you to check that out. So I mentioned in the title of the podcast, a creative check-in, and I'm going to kind of talk about that in general terms, but also talk about myself and kind of where I'm at and what I'm doing. So I talked about in the last podcast about, you know, whether my theme of flight and focus is still appropriate. And I was thinking, you know, should I be changing that? Should I be considering other options? And it's okay to do that. Uh, You know, my, I I really like the idea of a theme because it helps my decision-making if I'm faced with uh, being asked to do an interview or to, um, to be shown in a gallery or whatever the case I can think about, you know, is that consistent with my theme for this year, even trying watercolor, you know, it, for me, it was like, well, I, I got to take flight with this. I've got to uh, embrace the fact that I can do watercolor and give it another try. So, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth time, I don't remember now, <laughs> but maybe that's the charm. So, uh, I'm going to stick with my theme. I think the, the idea of flight and focus is um, still what I'm working on. I think the fact that I've tried watercolor doesn't mean that I'm being distracted uh, because maybe it's where I need to be. I'm still doing graphite work. I will never leave graphite. I just love drawing with pencil. I uh, was talking to another artist, uh, Joe Brown, recently, and uh, she had sent me a link to this artist who had created these very large pieces, you know, something like four foot by six foot. And I was thinking... You know, I would love to do a large piece, something like two by three, four by five, five by six foot pencil. And don't be surprised if I end up starting this. It would probably take me a few months, but uh, I really love the idea of something, you know, doing something at that kind of scale. So uh, I've just been thinking about that recently, but I just thought I would share it with you because uh, I may come back to that um, once again. I still think that's consistent with my idea of flight and focus. So. You know, part of it is, you know, a lot of us gauge our success in, uh, you know, whether we're creatively. When you look at a check-in, are we, for example, growing our social media? Are we growing our followers? And I, I think about that a lot. You know, do I, you know, I'm I'm approaching. I don't have a lot of followers. I'm approaching two thousand. Well, more like nineteen hundred. And I, you know, I do look at these people that have ten, twenty, thirty, two hundred thousand followers. And I'm wondering, is that a measure of, are we really measuring success when we look at our followers or our likes, for example? Because I know people who have half the followers I do, and they get two to three times the likes on things. And I'm trying to just ignore that now. And I commented in a a chat I was having that, you know, people think that success may be 10,000 followers or 50,000 followers, but maybe Instagram success is zero followers in the sense that maybe... When you are successful, you don't need Instagram. So you could walk away with it and be successful. Maybe that's success. Maybe success is being able to burst out of the social media platform in the sense that you're not reliant on it anymore. So I really like the thought of of kind of abstracting myself and my art away from Instagram and from these social media platforms. And this does not mean I'm not posting. It doesn't mean I'm not interacting with it but i just think that rather than the end point being you know 20,000 50,000 100,000 followers that the end point is maybe at some point i don't need it at all and i still think i would post but maybe the maybe the whole point is that i can get to zero as a matter of followers and Maybe that is uh, because I've been able to pull people in you know, through the newsletter and through other ways that they can still interact with me and, and I can interact with them and I can still share my art but not be reliant on a social media platform. So I thought that was a really kind of a different way to look at things. And once again, it's, it's making sure that you're not beholden to this platform, whether it's Instagram or it's Facebook or it's Twitter, that you're on your own journey And you have a way to share if you choose to share. And uh, just not judging yourself so much on that. So I'm trying to kind of approach it that way. I mean, the other thing I think about a lot is, you know, this idea of exploration versus building a body of work. You know, the stuff I'm doing with watercolor is a little bit of both. But it's so early for me with watercolor that I can't really say I'm building a body of work. But I'm working in getting to the point of building a body of work. I do want to do that with graphite. But once again, I think exploration is so important, especially when you work, you know, at some point I'm going to bring all the media together and, you know, think about ways that I can build a body of work that's reflective of what I want it to be. And I've been doing a little bit of that with graphite. Watercolor will come in due course. But I think that don't always get caught up in building that body of work. Have some fun. Explore. Explore. Uh, do things differently. I've always talked about, you know, I, I know some oil artists who are working on these large bodies of work for exhibitions. You know, I think that's fantastic. That's where they need to be. But I keep saying, you know, take advantage of that opportunity to, to try something new to, so go into a restaurant and ask for the kids menu, because when you do, you get that paper menu that has a white back and you get the little packet of crayons and draw something. Like, taking advantage of those weird kind of opportunities to be able to, um, to bring art into your everyday and not feel like this is work or this is production, but art is fun and being able to do it a little bit differently. Like do something you haven't done before, but you know, it doesn't have to be at a scale where it's like, I got to devote hours to this, like just 10 minutes, you know, 15 minutes. It's, you know, I keep saying that, you know, I'm trying to find the time for art amongst the nooks and crannies of my day. (laughs) So, you know, my my daughter is going, uh, she's working in a research job in science over the summer. And before I go pick her up, there's a park nearby that's right on the river. I will go there to pick her up maybe 15 minutes before, 20 minutes before she's ready. So I can sit in the park and draw or paint for 15 or 20 minutes. So it's finding those nooks and crannies right before the time I have to pick her up. I leave a little bit earlier so that I have an opportunity to sit by a river and paint. So I would encourage you all to do that when you go out, you know, bring that new pencil case and a sketchbook and think about, you know, is this a situation where I'm going to be waiting for whatever reason? If I've got 10 or 15 minutes, that's all you need. You can start something and it will lead to something else possibly. But uh, you know that's the advantage I think with you know graphite colored pencil watercolor is a little bit tougher because you have to let it dry before you close the book I learned that the hard way but it's much easier than for example oil painting so just having that opportunity to have a little kit with you where you can leverage those times where maybe you're gonna be doom scrolling on your phone and instead of doing that you're creating and um, that's just it's wonderful and you know, I was at a park recently where I was doing that, and these kids, they must have been, I don't know, between, let's say, 12 and 16. Um, there was a couple of them with, I think, it was either uh, their mother or an older sister. It was hard because I was really kind of focused on what I was doing on, uh, what I was working on, and I was painting. And uh, I heard them say, you know, we should go to the dollar store and get some paints and come back and paint. So obviously they were watching what I was doing and they were inspired to do it. And I was thinking, oh, cool. This is, this made my week. The opportunity I had to be able to sit beside a river and paint and enjoy it for myself and have others look at it and feel inspired to do it. It just made my week. And uh, so I was only there for 15, 20 minutes. I did a real quick sketch of some ducks, which you can see on my Instagram And as I was leaving, uh, this little girl who is probably, you know, you're going to say 15, 16, she's like, I love your painting. And I was like, thank you so much. As I was leaving, I was thinking, what a great, what a great time. And, you know, she's going to remember this. She may come back. She may not with the paints, but it's going to stick in her mind for a little while. And maybe this is the start of something wonderful for her. So I think that is great. And so being able to find the nooks and crannies in your life, to be able to 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 bring art into it, and to explore whether you're an established artist or you're starting out or revisiting it in your 50s and 60s. Build that little kit. Get that little package together so that you are ready to take on the day. You know, the wallet's important. The phone's important. But I would say this kit's more important uh, when you have that opportunity where you can find a few minutes in those nooks and crannies. Take advantage of it and create some art. And tag me. I want to see what you're doing, because I think this is fantastic, and I love seeing what you're doing and what you're creating. So I want to talk about quickly, uh, I was, so I've got a, uh, a club on Clubhouse, and that's an app that's now available for iOS and Android, so follow me if you're, if you're on there. I haven't done a whole lot of rooms in my club, but I did do one where someone was asking me how to create a podcast, and so I hosted a room where I talked about how I work on my podcast. So I talked about how I record my audio, I talked about how I edit it, I talked about the microphone I use, how I capture, uh, where I put my audio when it's done, how I host. So I'm not going to go into detail now about how I do all that, and by all means, if you have questions about it, just send me a note, and I will answer it. But I wanted to encourage others to kind of think about telling their story through audio. So whether it's a podcast or something else, I think it's a great experience. And so it was great because I had a few people who um, were followers of the podcast who I've spoken to for the first time, and so that was kind of cool. I talked about, you know, the fact that I use my iPad to edit the podcast, the idea of, once again, telling the story about you or your art in a way that allows other people to consume it. So all this to say, if you're on Clubhouse, uh, follow me, you'll see the club. For Drawing Inspiration, it's the first one at the bottom of my page. It's got an eye with a pencil kind of laying across it. And just follow that. And if you do, then you'll see it pop up as a matter of uh, new rooms that I open. So I'm going to be doing a few more. I'm going to have guests come on that have been on the podcast so you can ask them questions directly after we do an interview. And uh, we can uh, talk in greater detail about some of the things they covered. You can ask them questions. And so I'm going to be doing a little bit more of that in Clubhouse. I think it's a real positive space for creatives. And I've been really enjoying it. I've met so many wonderful artists that have inspired me through their work and through their dreams. And it's just, it's been a beautiful experience. So I would encourage you to check out Clubhouse. It uh it you know, it's a time commitment because you're going into a room that has no history, like nothing's recorded unless you intentionally do that. Uh even that's complicated, so it's a matter of just understanding, you know, where the artists are, what they talk about, if there's a schedule to it, people can schedule rooms that you can be notified on. So I would recommend uh checking it out and um, to follow me if you're there. I'd love to uh, speak with you at some point. So the other thing I did is I reached out to people and asked if you had questions that I could answer for you. And, um, I, I want to keep this short, so I'm just going to focus on two or three, but one question was, what's the most important advice that I've received on my art journey? You know, it, I'm going to, if this is not going to be <laughs> some kind of magical comment, but, uh, practice, I think that when I look at, you know, the three Octobers I've done and all the other pieces that I've worked on, it's really practice. It's, it doesn't have to be every day. If you can, that's great. But it's doing the work, it's working on uh, getting the textures right, getting the shading, working on the tones. Uh, now with watercolor, it's getting those colors balanced and trying to get achieve that texture. I think that's been the most important advice. You know, we even though we think we may be good, people to tell us, "Oh, you're a fantastic artist. You're so talented." You got to ignore that and just practice um don't embrace the point now and and you know more so look to the future and understand you know if you can just spend a few more minutes each day working on your craft how much better you'll be so the most important advice I've had through all my guesses is, is practice and I think you know if you want to go into a bit of detail I think it's negative drawing this idea of especially working with pencil is exposing those white areas I mean I did it with the rabbit in trying to expose its tail by not really painting the tail, but building the areas around it. It's that negative drawing. It's drawing the shadows and uh, the impact of that object on other areas to expose that object, which may be white. So, um, you know, that kind of idea of negative drawing is, is something very unique. I think that I received at a workshop and I would really want others to explore this idea of negative drawing. So I think maybe if I lump those two together, that that would be kind of probably the most important advice I can think of now. But I know that I'll come across a challenge in three months, six months, a year that uh, will be addressed by another bit of advice. And things will probably change for me in the future, but I think that's been really helpful for me. I did have a question about preparing for a uh, an exhibition and I really don't have an answer for that because I've not done it, but I did want to bring it up uh, in that if you have ideas or suggestions about, prepare, about preparing a body of work for an exhibition, please let me know and I will get this to the individual who asked the question and I'll share it on the show as well. So um, yeah, I, I really haven't done that yet. So I've not been kind of ambitious about getting into an exhibition and I don't know what's involved, but uh, I would love to hear uh, from those of you who've had that experience and what you would recommend for, for somebody preparing a body of work for an exhibition. The other question I get often in a podcast is, is who's your dream guest? And I've had so many wonderful artists that, uh, you know, I've already had the dream guests, right? Like some of these artists have inspired me. Whether they are, you know, and I've had artists that that have, you know, thousands, millions of followers talking about their journey. I've also re- really focusing on these these people who are early in their career and even partway into their career, mid mid level uh, artists, to to hear about their journey because I don't think. We learn everything from those people at the top end who have been doing it for decades. We also learn from people who have been doing it for two or three years because the lessons are different. And I just love hearing these people like Sam Gillett who is on, who's just getting into what he's doing. And he's got a wonderful skill and a wonderful attitude. And being able to to kind of share his experience with others I think is great. So I've had these wonderful guests. I would think, this this may come across as corny, but I think my dream guest would be you. I think that if this podcast inspires you to become better at art and to and to put the practice in and to work at it if you were to come back to me in a year or two and say Mike you know this podcast has an impact on me here's my work I'd love to come and talk to you about it you're my dream guest and so I think That would be wonderful if this show has an impact on you and you're able to then move your art forward, whether it's full-time or part-time as a side hustle, which is how I do it, then I would love to have you on at some point. So I'm just happy to be able to have these conversations and to have this opportunity to talk to other artists and share it with you. I've got some wonderful guests lined up and I'm looking forward to doing that uh, every two weeks till who knows when. So, if you are enjoying this, um, you know, there's ways that you can support through uh, Patreon and uh, sharing this uh, podcast with friends and family and subscribing to uh, the new episodes so you get them as they come out. So, I appreciate all of you and I appreciate everything you do. So, this wouldn't be a normal episode without homework, right? <laughs> so, here's some homework. I was thinking I'd like you to choose a piece you've created, it could be a graphite drawing. It could be a painting, it could be a song, a poem, a short movie, something you've created. Now use your phone, whether it's Android or iPhone, this is built-in, this ability to record audio. So I'd like you to talk about that piece for two minutes to yourself. I want you to talk about why you created it. What was your inspiration for doing it? And then I want you to talk about what would you do differently next time? So it's not what you failed at, but what would you adjust? What was something that you would change next time from a technical perspective or from a process perspective? What would you do differently next time? And then I want you to end with what are you really happy with? What is it in that drawing, that painting, that song that you really felt you nailed it? It could be the reflection in the eye of a heron. It could be a specific phrase that maybe is part of the chorus. It could be the way that you came in with the poem. Think about what you really, really are happy with. And record that audio. So try and make it at least two minutes long. If you want to make it longer, that's cool. But try and focus on two minutes. Now, when you're done, you can share it online. You could maybe put it up with the piece on Instagram so we can hear what you're doing or what you think about that piece. You can share it with someone you trust. Just share it with one or two people and get feedback and see what they think. Or you can just keep it to yourself. In fact, if you want to share it with me, I'm cool with that too. I have no problem providing some feedback. Uh, if you're talking about a piece, just make sure that I can see it somewhere. And I'd love to hear what you think about your own work. And the reason I think this is helpful is it because it forces you to have a conversation outside of what you normally think. I think by speaking this and then hearing yourself talk about it, it's an opportunity for you to think about your work differently and to hear yourself doing that. I think there's value in it. I'm not saying that you need to create a podcast, but just being able to have this narrative this story around a piece of work that you created, I think is valuable. And so I would encourage you to try this, whether you're a visual artist, a musician, being able to take and talk about something you've created as an audio clip. You can do videos if you want, but I would just recommend just focusing on the audio. So all you're thinking about is your words. And um, I thought that would be an interesting exercise for homework. So I thought I would end this with a quote I heard recently from Ernest Hemingway. Now I'm going to modify it a little bit just so that it's, uh, it's more appropriate. But So here's the quote. There's nothing noble in being superior to your fellow human being. True nobility is being superior to your former self. And I think that's so true. Focus on, are you better than you were yesterday or last week? Don't be concerned with those around you, those on Instagram, those in other spaces that are doing incredible work. They're on a different path, a different journey, at a different point just focus on yourself. Are you doing things better than you were yesterday? If you're not doing things better, what has changed? And maybe you need to embrace that change and take it in that direction. But just be true to yourself. Be true to what you're doing. I know you can create some incredible work and I look forward to seeing it. Show notes, including everything I spoke about can be found at drawinginspiration.fm slash 56. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, share and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This will surface the podcast for others to enjoy. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Be kind to yourself and each other and keep drawing.